It's the Colvin Brothers Podcast. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I'm gonna tell you, brother. Take this, brother. I've always dreamed about having a brother. Brother Michael. Number six for Colvin. My brother Anakin. Perhaps we're long lost brothers. Colvin Brothers. We're brothers. We're the Colvin Brothers. Tell your brother the stockyards are ours now. Colvin Brothers on Z93. But Marge, I want to see my brother. So, what does your brother do to you? Mom always liked you best. Stephen I am your brother. The Colvin Brothers. Ash Brown. <laughs> On Z93. Time, 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 time. 1989.
Good evening, everybody. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. It's time for the Colvin Brothers on Z93. Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire. Uh, this was for Miss Kitty in Van Wyck. We had a class, or music class, back in the day, and we actually sat down and had to go through the entire song. She's like, oh, this is a great history lesson. It really is. I mean, everything that he sings about or lists, it's a list song, it's a listicle, um, really did happen. And I learned a lot. Like, I didn't know when Dien Pien Fu fell, but now I do. <laughs> you know, and, and back then you had the cassette tape where you would open up the, the lyric sheets. Okay. And that's another way how you could figure out what was going on because, I mean, it's one of those songs kind of like Vogue with Madonna where it just kind of touches on all the history lessons for you. Yeah, well, it, you know, Billy Joel is one of the few guys to say, you know what, I've, I can't do this anymore and walked away. But it wasn't for another couple of years. In 1993, I think was the last time he put out a pop record. But by 89, I mean, the guy had been, you know, swinging for the fences since 73 and was largely successful. But he had to do something to get attention. And this was it. The video matched the song. Something to get attention. The, the dude was married to Christy Brinkley. Well, I'm talking about, <laughs> you still doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to sell records, Steven. Well, you know what, you, what you're, you're missing? He put out one of the biggest bombs uh, in the history of live recorded music. Are you familiar with this? It was a Russian concert album called Qu- Oh. Yeah. yeah. And I was working at Tape Town in the Galleria, at the, one of the original stores in, in the mall there. And we had like an entire row with this. It just didn't sell at all. So this was his way of trying to get it back. Yeah, 1989, the Time Tunnel Show is what we're doing today. Now, if I, I was looking back at my uh, little history lesson with the Sizz. I think I started Little League that year. And I had a, an awesome game where I struck out 13 of the first 15 batters. Right. And, uh, and then it turned out that one of the kids that I was on my school bus said, hey, he's 12. He shouldn't be pitching. Oh, man, I got so mad. Although I got to finish the game. Oh, man. But that was the last time I pitched until I went to I never early. heard this. How did I miss that story? Yeah, I got a couple game balls. You were uh, too busy working at Deco's, Yeah, man. Yeah, I was, I was slumming, man. I, I actually missed my college graduation because of that. <laughs> uh, also in 1989, the Cold War ended and the Berlin Wall came down. A gallon of gas was only a dollar, and fondue was all the rage. We, you know, you you say that, but fondue was. I remember getting fondue from Aunt Cheryl and Uncle Gary in like 1974. Well, mom and dad had that fondue sandwich. I think. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That's that was around since I was five. Yeah, fondue, Crystal Light, and Planters cheese balls was like Which, the highlights of 1989. We've brought those up before. I didn't even realize that they went away. And Pete Rose was banned from baseball that year. There was a show on in 1989 we used to watch called In Living Color. And they did this great skit with Jim Carrey where he gets hypnotized to be a chicken. And the guy that hypnotizes him dies. Therefore, Jim Carrey goes on through life. They show you like, you know, they check in with him every 20 years and he's still a chicken. And of course, he dies because he can't communicate. The same exact thing happened to Pete Rose. He was banned from baseball. Yep. And was it, what was his name? Bartlett Giamatti? Yep, and the, the father of Paul Giamatti. Yeah, right. So Bartlett Giamatti <laughs> died like 11 days later, yep. and he was stuck. He's still stuck because, of that. like, had Giamatti lived, he may have rescinded that evocation, but nobody will go against it, and it's the same exact problem. And Faye Vincent came in afterwards, and Faye Vincent... You know, he was no, in no way was he ever going to let Pete Rose get back into baseball. Pete Rose is going to play another part in the show a little bit later on, but we've got some more 1989 rock and roll. It's funny, there's people out there that know our personalities well enough. They, they figure out which songs I pick and which songs you pick. <laughs> so I, I love this tune. I love this song. Uh, but you went with the Cure love song. I went with the Cure, uh, and it, this song was covered by 311 later on in a movie called 50 First Dates. Yeah. And our friend Sean, when he was going to school down in Pratt Institute in New York City, um, he would always, you know, introduce me to all kinds of different in independent bands and he, before he started Stella Star he had a band called Gister and his sound if you ever listen to it sounds a lot like Cure and this is uh, a song that's going out to Sean and Nina it's a love song from the Cure it's the Coleman Brothers on Z93 Oh 
Colvin Brothers Time Tunnel. And he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take... take 1989. On Z93. My sister got lucky, married a took him for all he was worth. Now she's a swinger, dating a singer. I can't decide which is worse. But not me, baby. I've got you to save me. Oh, you're so bad. Best thing I ever had. Ex-husband can't get no loving Walks around all faced and hurt Now he's got nothing Head in the oven I can't decide which is worse But not me, baby I've got you Brothers on Z93, Time Tunnel to the year 1989. Tom Petty, he's going to be on any show in the 1980s, and this is a song you picked out. Well, by 1989, the 80s in my mind were, as we know it, or as we remember them, were over. Like, there's nothing about Full Moon Fever that has that 80s sound. Like, you could argue that his hit from earlier in the decade, You Got Lucky, with the with the synthesizers and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, but by 1989, there was definitely a move toward more organic sounding rock and roll. And yes, obviously the Jeff Lynn sound is part of it, which was also there for George Harrison's big comeback, Cloud Nine, the Traveling Wilburys, of which both Petty and Lynn were members, and Roy Orbison. So they all had it. But when you say 80s sound, it's got nothing to do with Full Moon Fever and You're So Bad. And I just love the tune. The Colvin Five. Are you ready for the Colvin Five? Five. 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 On Z93. All right, so the Colvin Five topic this week, me and Michael <laughs> were enjoying uh, Aunt Cheryl's ham on Easter. Yes, indeed. And uh, we were trying to figure out what should we do for the Colvin Five? And I said, well, we're, you're hosting WrestleMania. Well, I'm making Michael host WrestleMania yeah, yeah. Uh, tonight after the show. It's, it's uh, night number two. So I said, why don't we go with your favorite WrestleMania moments? And he's like, oh, let's see what people say. Well, obviously I'm out of my depth here, but you know what? WrestleMania is happening tonight. They only do this once a year. Did they do it during uh, the pandemic last year? Unfortunately, they did it with no fans last year. So wow. this year... Uh, it's going to be at the same place where the Super Bowl was, which okay. is... Uh, One of those crazy states where COVID doesn't exist? Yeah, so 25,000 fans. <laughs> 25,000 fans are allowed in on both nights, so a hey. total of 50,000 fans. They couldn't get Texas because they were booked? Number five. Oh. This is going out to Breckman, Hutchinson Island in Florida. He picked Ronda Rousey, debuting at WrestleMania 31. Now, The Rock, he went into the stands, and, and the first row happened to be MMA fighter 
Ronda Rousey. Well, I'd heard of as an MMA fighter, and then they, they drafted her into the WWE. You probably saw her on Entourage. Oh, no. oh yeah, was that? <laughs> she's from there? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, they're going to have a reunion show. <laughs> but she is a legit fighter with MMA, but she grew up a huge wrestling fan, and the reason her name is Rowdy Ronda Rousey... Because of Rowdy Roddy Piper? Yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper. I've heard of him. I've heard of a lot of these people. Number four, the TLC match, WrestleMania 17... That's Teen and New Paltz. Are we talking about TLC, the, the group with uh, Lisa Left Eye Lopes? No, no, no. That was, uh, we didn't start the fire episode. It's TLC. <laughs> <laughs> TLC is Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Oh, okay. With, All right. With okay. Uh, your friend. I, I thought somebody was chasing waterfalls. No, uh, Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudley Boys. And uh, if you're not even a fan of wrestling, check this out on YouTube. The the action is intense. What's number three? RJ in Newburgh. <laughs> Pete Rose. All of his appearances at WrestleMania. The the Pete Rose. Pete Rose. The one that we were talking about a couple, ten minutes ago. Yeah, he, he was banned from baseball. But so he decided, oh, we're going to be a wrestler? He, well, no, he wasn't a wrestler. He was the guest announcer at WrestleMania 14, 1998 in Boston. Okay. And he had one of the best heel promos from a celebrity of all time. Mm-hmm. He comes down. He gets on the microphone. He goes, hey, Boston. Last time I was here, we beat you. Now, this is before the, the streak was over against the Yankees. Right. And then he goes, I left tickets to WrestleMania for Bill Buckner, but he couldn't bend over to get it. How oh. about it? Oh, man. So the whole crowd's turning on him. And Vince, you know, Vince McMahon, who's the promoter, yeah. is like, this guy's gold. Mm-hmm. And he brought him back for two more WrestleManias. The year after, he came back for revenge against Kane, who chokeslammed him uh, as the <laughs> San Diego Chicken. He dressed up as the San Diego Chicken. I remember the San Diego Chicken. And then he came back another year later, and he got the stink face from Rikishi, which I don't think we can talk about that on the radio. Wow, that's nuts. <laughs> Number two, uh, I, I, I hope I say this right, Undertaker, who I, I do remember him, versus HBK, which I thought was a compact cassette. Denver Darren and Riley and Joyzy. Oh, actually, Riley at my house. He's that we're, I'm hosting this, this party tonight for him. Yeah, uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels is probably one of the best matches of all time. They now, wrestled twice. What makes Shawn Michaels HBK? What is HBK stand The Heartbreak for? Kid. Oh, I should. Oh, well, I thought that was. I thought that was a movie with Kevin Dillon. <laughs> no, yeah, well, probably. <laughs> that was the Flamingo Kid. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember the VHS cover at uh, Video Zone. Yeah, right. Don't you? Yeah. They, they, like that's the image that's in my head. All right, keep going. Well, they wrestled at WrestleMania 25 and 26, and Undertaker's the guy that retired Shawn Michaels. Okay. But a funny joke when back in the day when Michael would work at Birdies, I went there uh, after work. I don't know if I was of age, but it was me and my friend 1992, Rob. 1992. No, you weren't. But we went. We were on our way to the Civic Center to watch. Monday Night Raw. You were 15. Things were different then, kids. Things were different. And my friend was like, he's like, your brother, he's got that long hair. He kind of looks like uh, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker from the back. Oh, I remember people telling me that it looked <laughs> like Shawn. Yeah, that, yeah, I used to get that a lot in those days. Yeah, so you're, you're the heartbreak kid. All right, I, never, I don't remember you being a birdies. That's a pretty good get for you. Um, no, the big closer, Steven. The big closer. Now, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you have to know about the slam heard around the world. Let me tell you something, brother. I mean, we've been using that as our opener for as long as the show's been on. Yeah, Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant. And at this point in time, Andre the Giant, you know, wouldn't wouldn't take a loss, a pin. You know, he wouldn't let anybody pin him for one, two, three. He passed the torch to Hogan. And if you watch all the documentaries, he would go, hey, boss, I don't know if I'm going to take the pin tonight. And Hogan was nervous because it's 93,000 people mm. live at the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan. Ah, oh, the Silverdome. One of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. And right up until the bell, Andre the Giant you know, says, I'm not sure if I'm going to do business and, and let you pin me. And at the time, Hulkamania needed it to kind of blow things up. Right, right. And Andre wanted to be an actor. He was in Princess Bride, right? He was in Princess Bride, <laughs> which I think he's on record for drinking 117 beers well, in, in he, one sitting. And he's no longer with us. But uh, that was Taylor and Salt Point, Eric and Crumb Elbow, <laughs> Denver Darren, and you uh, all, all voted for that. So... You know, that, I, I remember the sadness of Andre the Giant's passing. Like, he was one of those guys that transcended his sport and was a pop culture icon unto himself. Yeah, Andre the Giant's huge. He was in a lot of movies and unfortunately no longer with us. But that's the Colvin Five this week. Happy WrestleMania Day. The Colvin Brothers Time Tunnel. Time, 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 time. 1989. This town needs an enema. On Z93.
Coven Brothers on Z93, Time Tunnel to the year 1989, Nirvana, about a girl off their debut album, Bleach, for Alan David, listening on his Sony Walkman. Now, did Alan actually know about Nirvana at the time, or was he one of the many people that found out about Bleach after they blew up with Nevermind? No, in our many discussions through text messages, because he won't see us in person, uh, he did say that he's been a Nirvana fan since the beginning, and that's obviously before the so huge that was like the grunge era. Release. I forget the exact moment that uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit broke through, but it really did change the face of rock as we knew it. Now, 1989, as I alluded to earlier, it's not one of those stereotypical 80s years. You know, even the pop didn't have that, you know, because like the, 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 the British new wave sound had long since vanished. So you were getting a more back-to-basic sound anyway, which, you know, Nirvana would be on the harder edge of it. Tom Petty, who we played earlier, was on the softer edge, and we're about to play a, a song from the Pixies that probably exemplifies what was going on at the time. Before we get to the Pixies, I got a quiz. From the Sizz? Exactly. Time for another quiz from the Sizz. It happened in 1989. That's the theme of the quiz. It <laughs> right. happened in 1989. I was 20, so I should, I should be able to nail most of this. Number one, most popular show that year was what? Oh, I get, I'm not going to get multiple choice? I can. I'll give you a hint if you need it. Like the Cosby Show. The Cosby Show. Oh, I was right? No, oh, it was it, was it, was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say My name I, is Bud I, You know how I'm, I'm famous for not watching any 80s movies? Yeah I never watched the Cosby Show well, Dad had it on all I, the time never, I, I wasn't home I never saw the Cosby Show I know that his, the, the guy that played the son is on a lot of stuff now Number two, highest grossing film of 1989 If you need a hint, I'll give you one uh, Was there another Back to the Future release that year? It starts with a B Oh, uh, Blues Brothers With Michael Keaton Batman Batman uh, That's the one that I saw at the Overlook drive-thru But I didn't see it because I was at the Overlook drive-in You're a bad kid, kid Number three, The Simpsons debuted on Fox What iconic show debuted on NBC with their famous pilot? Oh, it was uh, The Seinfeld Chronicles I knew that one. Again, I didn't jump on to Seinfeld till about 91, but a guy that I used to work with had all of the VHS tapes, which, you know, in those days you couldn't just say, oh, I want to watch this and press a button. You had to fight for it. And I, I was able to procure the tapes and catch up on the early, early episodes. And uh, yeah, so I was there from the beginning. And Seinfeld, similar to Parks and Recreation and Office, very rough in the very beginning. I love it. Isn't and, that wasn't the, the, the famous garage episodes from the early days, right? Well, well even Chinese Kramer, restaurant. Well, Kramer, no, I'm talking about really early. Kramer didn't even have the high hair yet. Uh, yeah. Number four, Oakland A's beat the San Francisco Giants in the famous Earthquake World Series. Shout out to Dino. Name another champion that year. I'm just looking for one champion that year from any major sport. Either uh, Michael Jordan's Bulls, or I would have to say in 1989, was that one of the years that the 49ers beat the Dolphins or somebody? 49ers were the Super Bowl champs. Detroit Pistons were the NBA champs, and the Calgary Flames going out to Carly. Oh, oh boy. The NHL. I, you know, I've only, to this day, only seen one professional hockey game in person, and it was the Calgary Flames in Calgary, was dating uh, an intern of mine, because that's what you did in those days, um, and her sister was like the Calgary port girl for Chris Chelios, who's like this famous NHL guy. Yeah. Like, his jersey was on her desk chair, and I, and I was like, is that? And she's like, yeah, it's really his. Like, every time he came to Calgary, he would, he would nail Carly's sister. That was their thing. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Memories with Mad Mike. <laughs> I've got stories, people. Number five, this handheld video game console was one of the most popular gifts at Christmas. Frank did not buy it for us. I'm not going to get this. Nintendo Game Boy. Oh, Game Boy. Okay, yeah, I, I remember them existing. Yeah, I never had one. Yeah, I didn't have that either. I would always like go to Ben's house and play his. Oh. Number six. This man with a huge birthmark on his head won the Time Magazine Man of the Year. My, my buddy Mikhail Gorbachev. That is correct, sir. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Number seven. On May 14th that year, 36 million people watched the final show starring Michael J. Fox. Oh, Family Ties? Family Ties with Meredith Baxter Burns. Yes, uh, and uh, there was was one of those many shows that uh, destroyed itself by bringing a baby into the mix. That's all I remember about it. And Tom Hanks had a very famous scene in that, too. Did he really? Yeah, he had a famous role where he played the drunk uncle. Okay, because I knew Tom Hanks as the one of the leads in Bosom Buddies with Peter Scolari. Yeah. And Wendy Boat Joe Sperber was on that, and the, the rock and roll connection was that uh, one of the members of Dawn from uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn, Tama Hopkins, was also on that program. Yeah, it was a guest spot to kind of teach people not to drink and drive. Oh. Number eight, what famous Christmas episode was shown for the first time in 30 years? 
Something that Jennifer loved, something that mom loved. I, uh, Mark of the Wolven Soldiers? It's uh, with uh, Lucy. <laughs> oh, well, the, the I Love Lucy Christmas show? Yeah, first time it aired in 30 years. Yeah, because it was it was lost. I think they found it in a garage or something like that. I didn't. Really, I, I forgot about that, but yeah, that, that was a thing. I think Geraldo found it in Al Capone's Yes, uh, he did, next to the Coke <laughs> bottle. Very good. Number nine, the most popular song in 1989 was? Oh, uh, Everybody Dance Now, Gonna Make You Sweat. It was with a band that had Peter Cetera. Chicago? Yep. But he was already gone from the band. That was the most popular. Will You Still Love Me or something? It was called Look Away. Oh, that's garbage. <laughs> that is absolute tripe. That's stuff that Chicago put out in the 80s is just the, the absolute bottom of the barrel. Peter Cetera was busy doing all the Karate Kid soundtracks. Yeah, you know, and he was smart because he made his money on that, but... Uh, he... Alright, number 10. Besides Michael, what name of a member of the Colvin Five was also popular in 1989 for babies' names. I would have to say Jennifer. Christopher is the answer. Okay, because when when our parents had no imagination, so when I was born, Michael was the most popular boy's name. Jennifer was the most popular girl's name. I don't know where Carolyn came from, but Christopher would, of course, have been one of those. I mean, you were an accident anyway. Mom, mom had you in the hallway at the hospital. 1977. Yes. <laughs> this next song is going out to Lynn at Maris. It's the Pixies. Here comes your man off the album Doolittle. If you get a chance, see these guys in concert. I saw them with Weezer. Do little. Oh, do little. Golden Brothers, three. Time tunnel. Time tunnel. Do you know what this is all about? Do you know why we're here? To be out. This is out. And out is one of the single most enjoyable experiences of life. 1989. People, you have people talk about we should go out. This is what they're talking about. On Z93. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. 
on Z93. We're doing the time tunnel to 1989. Queen, I want it all. And what's horrible about this one, Freddie Mercury never got to perform this song live. No, and the Live Aid performance, which is now looked back upon as a pivotal moment of Queen's story, should have done more for them. And it it did in Europe. They were still big in Europe through, uh, I think, through the end of, of Mercury's life. But for some reason in the United States... They were just forgotten about as far as a top 40 act. Now, I worked in rock radio from 87 on. And so if a new song came out from Queen, it got plenty of play. So I Want It All was a, was a monster tune in 1989. But Freddie was far too ill to tour. Nobody really knew the reason. It was, it was suspected. Yeah. But he was too ill to tour. So no, he never got to play that live. But, you know, I Want It All. A lot of kids nowadays probably know it from the ad. And I, I, I can't remember if they used it in the movie. They may or may not. It doesn't matter. But it was a big tune on rock radio. Before I get to a little stat from 1989 about the New York Yankees, uh, it's pretty cool to see fans back in the the stands this year. For even though it's not 
at full capacity. No, it's full capacity. Didn't you watch the Astros game? Well, in Texas. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with the Yankees, though, they got some fans. It's nice to hear real clapping and, like, people yelling at the fans. I made this point to you when I watched the uh, the home opener. I was like, oh, that's that's about how many people would go to a, a midsummer game in 1993. Like, when we were— <laughs> The Stump Merrill when, years. Yeah, when we, were, when we were going and, like, you know, hey, here comes Spike Owen, you know, that those were the days. <laughs> Uh, who was who was our favorite pitcher? Greg Cataray. Greg Cataray. Eric, <laughs> Eric Plunk. Luis uh, Polonia. Sam Lemitello or something. Matt Noakes. Man, we had so many bad players in the dark years. Yeah. So, but that's when you would go down there, and we would have the run of the stadium because there was nobody there. So that's what this is reminding me of. But it's a lot more fun now because last year when they piped in sound, yeah, you weren't piping in these fickle Yankee fans booing John Carlos Stanton on opening day. No, you were not. But yeah, it it makes it more colorful, and I, you know, obviously. You know, the Yankees are are supposed to do great things this year. It's supposed to be a down year for uh, arch rivals, the Sox. And the Rays should slip a bit, too, because they, they lost Snell and I think somebody else from the World Series team, right? Yeah, they lost Charlie Morton, and they just lost two relievers to injury. Yeah. Um, and, and somebody was texting me, one of my buddies, we text all the time on the Yankee games. He was like, did somebody dig up Freddie Says? Because I keep hearing something in the background. Remember and, Freddie Says, yes. Yeah, it's one of the guys from uh, the Bleacher Creatures. I, I guess he has a cowbell, mm-hmm. which kind of annoys me a little bit because I've been to Shea well, Freddie, City. Freddie had a pan. Yeah. It was a pan he would walk around with. There was a new sign for every game. Yeah, you want to talk about COVID. If you touch that thing, <laughs> <laughs> that thing was nasty. So here's my little tidbit from 1989. I did not know this. Right, let's see if I did. Maybe you did. On January 19th of 1989, President Reagan pardoned George Steinbrenner, owner of the New York Yankees, for convictions connected with illegal contributions to the 1972 campaign of Richard M. Nixon. I didn't know that. Steinbrenner was always uh, embroiled in something legally because he famously paid – Howie Spira yes. to, to to follow Dave Winfield oh, to dig up dirt on him, Mr. Poor, May. Poor Dave Winfield. Mr. May. Uh, but I didn't know that story. But the greatest characters of our time, especially 20th century, were shady. And I guess you can still say that now. But yeah, Steinbrenner, I'm sure there's an, a biography out there. And there's probably multiple at this point. He's been dead yeah. for over 10 years. But yeah, he was a very colorful guy. And look, colorful people do stuff you're not supposed to do. Yeah, we'll, we'll never see that on the Yes Network uh, Yankeeographies, but I thought it was a cool tidbit. <laughs> yes, indeed. Our next song, Eric Clapton Pretending, was this going out to anybody? No, I just, uh, when I was doing my initial rock radio phase before I became a morning guy, I was the overnighter. And for a bit, they did this experiment. It was almost like platooning. So I would do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, midnight to six, and our voice guy, Greg O'Brien, would do the rest of the week, like Wednesday through Friday, and then they had a, a Saturday guy. So... I loved this song so much because you got to remember, you know, we were talking earlier about how by 1989, rock was making a comeback as far as the sounds like the synths were disappearing, the drums were getting natural again. And it was such a great relief to hear Eric Clapton rocking out with a wah-wah pedal. I would crank this. It's probably why I can't hear today in my headphones in the studio. This is for me because this was this reminds me of doing those overnights in the 80s when you know, sometimes you put on a long song and did something you weren't supposed to in the parking lot. Uh, I used to love doing the overnights in the 90s, but it's a thing of the past now. Oh, yes, it is. Definitely the thing of the past. So here you go. Eric Clapton, the Colvin Brothers on Z93. How many times must we tell the tale? How many times must we fall? Living in a lost memory you just recall.
Brothers Time Tunnel. Time Time Tunnel. Do you hear me? I don't have my underwear. What? I'm definitely not wearing my underwear. On Z93. I got my boxer shorts at Kmart Cincinnati. Shut up! 1989. My brave, my brave, my brave I've been living in style. Brothers on Z93. 
time tunnel to 1989. You can't do a Colvin Brothers show without one of the Beatles. Here's Paul <laughs> McCartney, My Brave Face, and it was written by McCartney and Elvis Costello. Yeah, and I was, it was a toss-up between playing this or Veronica, which was also out the same year. And the reason I went with McCartney, I went to an iconic concert. We say iconic a lot on this show, but it really was. McCartney hadn't toured the States anyway since 1976, and I would have only been seven. I wouldn't have been able to see the Wings over America tour. But um, in 1989, uh, he was back, and it was a big deal, and we secured tickets to Madison Square Garden. I was in college. I was a duchess at the time. And I had a 1980-something celebrity wagon, you might remember. Yes. That used to fit the coffin. Yes. And so the OB, our voice guy, big McCartney fan, helped me become the Beatle fan that I am because he knew so much more, drove. And there was about seven of us in the car. And I was all the way in the back because I had a paper due the next day. So I was writing a term paper back when you could just write it. You didn't have to type it. Yeah. So I was like writing some kind of you know essay or term paper on the way to the concert. And you would go to Charlie O's before any show or sporting event at the Garden went there. And the biggest thing, the concert was great. But the, the one thing I remembered, and, and Greg would back me up on this, is the opening video that Paul used, which was a countdown from his Beatle days, and then the final thing you get to was it said the word now, and it blinked, and then he came out. But it was the first time anybody ever saw the Hey Jude album cover where they've all got the real long beards and the black yeah. suits. It was the first time we saw that there was footage of it. There was actually home movie, which is, you know, now it's everywhere because of the anthology and the internet. Mm -hmm. But all, everybody was like, they're moving! They're moving! <laughs> like, it was like this holy grail moment for Beatle fans. So that's where that song comes from. And, and the Flowers in the Dirt album, much like Clapton and Petty and all these guys, was a return to form because the album that McCartney put out before this was a bunch of synthesized dreck. So it was great to have him back. Not the biggest hit he ever had, yeah. but the McCartney that we wanted and loved was bad. I remember Greg O'Brien from the other end of the of the building yelling out, he wants to be a Beatle again, bro. You know? <laughs> so, so that's where it comes from. Mad Mike dropping knowledge. Who died today? All right, so who died today? In 2013, at the age of 87, American comedian Jonathan Winters passed away. I've interviewed him. He had his own show, mm -hmm. and he also appeared on Mork and Mindy. As Mirth. Yes. That's <laughs> the nadir of his career. He, uh, again, one of the guys that was so big, he did a Scooby-Doo episode. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's That was something we talked about a couple shows oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, number two. In 2017, at the age of 71, American rock guitarist, real name John Warren Giles Jr., passed away, of course, Jay Giles' band, The Centerfold. Yes, uh, Jay Giles, uh, another band that uh, went through a lot of changes. They were a, a Boston-based blues band. And people don't realize this. Peter Wolf, the leader of Jay Giles, he was a, a DJ on BCN. Like, he was... That was his thing. I mean, he was, he, as you would say, huge. 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 And I've spent some time with him uh, over the years. And there's a long list of rockers that started out as DJs. And it includes the big bopper who perished in the plane crash to kill Buddy Holly. Mm -hmm. And a guy that survived because he didn't get on the plane, Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings. Well, the centerfold for me, every time I think of it, it's back in the day at the Gold Roadhouse that our parents had. Um, the basement used to be all concrete before we started adding rooms. And we, it was basically me, Carolyn, and Christopher, and I think Jennifer, we would roller skate. Uh -huh. And this was because your brother can't. Yeah, it was, this, is, <laughs> this was the ultimate roller skate song, even yes. at uh, Roller Magic, which is still open in Hyde Park. Is it really? Yes, it is. All right, so tonight is WrestleMania. Oh, no. And I'm, gonna, I'm just asking Michael for one prediction. It's the main event of the entire two day extravaganza. The prediction is you're going to eat my beans. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm Frank, Frank and Beans. <laughs> and we're going to have some uh, burgers. And uh, Albert George. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brett, our, our producer, Breck, is like, oh, let me see what's in the freezer. <laughs> I'm a little nervous because Bryce's mother had to throw out like a bunch of stuff while they were in Florida. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what's still in that freezer, Breck, but you're welcome to bring whatever you can find. He's like our friend George Taylor doesn't believe in expiration dates. <laughs> All right. So Roman Reigns versus Edge versus Daniel Bryan is the main event. And I'll have Macho Man lead you in. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day, so I'll go with the other guy. All right. Well, there's two other guys. Oh, Edge or Daniel Bryan then? Oh, Edge? Oh, I love the Edge. All right. So the Edge from you two. <laughs> I'm going with Roman Reigns. All right. So we got one more song, 
It's a Great White, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, originally recorded and written by Ian Hunter in the UK. I'm glad that you brought that up. I know that you do the research, but you didn't know that until you did the research. I didn't research. know that. Yeah, I, I need to drop knowledge when no, I start doing all this. To me, it's Ian Hunter's Once Bitten, Twice Shy as covered by Great White. Again, I was working at, uh, at Deco's, which landed me the gig at Let's Dance, which was rock and roll night for a long time. And we would get a thousand people out on a Tuesday, and I have video to prove it. Do the Cadillac. Uh, yeah, well, this song, when it came out, became an instant... Let's Dance classic. It was, it's, you can dance to it. It's a great tune. Uh, not much of the band that I remember, other than I think they had a ballad that followed this up. But um, again, 1989, it was a return to form for rock, and we're very happy about that because it's probably why we have a gig right now. We need to get out of here because it's time for night number two of WrestleMania, brother. The Golden Brothers on Z93. Good night, everybody.
The Colvin Brothers Podcast. It's family. Wow.